Hello everyone and welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Jeannie Rodriguez and I want to thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and fill out a connection card at cfmemory.org connect. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during this season. And now, a special message by Pastor Rick. The Bible says, not as though I were already, here's our key word for the study, already what? Perfect. Everybody say it like you mean it. Perfect. Yeah, already perfect. Well, you can grab a seat at all of our campuses. And I want to set things up by sharing this with you. When I was in grade school at Richmond Drive Elementary, Rock Hill, South Carolina, every year our school would have what they called a field day. How many of you remember field day? Yeah, field day was an all-day event where us students would go out to the playground, and you remember we compete in various athletic competitions. You know, there'd be the 100-yard dash, there would be the long jump, the high jump, the softball throw, the baseball throw, and we just, we, we all just loved field day. But check this out. When we hit grade six, our school added to field day what they called couples events. Specifically, this would be matching a girl with a boy so that they competed as a team, so that they competed together. Now, one of the couples' competitions was what they called the three-legged sack race. You remember this. Yeah, you know, the boy puts one leg in, the girl puts her leg in, and then you try to move together and run for a finish line. So there would be There'd be like, I don't know, 10 couples, little boys, little girl, little boy, little girl, 10, 12 couples, all lined up to race. And the teacher would say, on your mark, get set, go. And at that, all the couples would start running towards this finish line. And the couples that finished first, second, and third, and that stayed together, yeah, that stayed together, that finished Together, they would be given a prize. Let's see if we can get out of that. Yeah. Yeah, they, so they would be given a prize. Now, folks, I don't have to tell you that the three-legged sack race is not an easy race to run, is it? Because you, you tend to get out of step with each other. You tend to get out of sync with each other. And what happens then is you trip and you fall. So one of the keys to being effective in this race is you have to learn to change how you're running. You've got to adjust to your partner. You've got to adapt to your partner so that you're running in tandem together. Now, I want you to stay in the story because our teacher, Mrs. Westbrook, allowed us to pick our own partners. We could partner up. And so Patty Brewer, yeah, and me, we, we paired up together. Patty Brewer and I, we paired up together. Now, I got to tell you, Patty was tall for her age. And I was, yeah, short. In fact, I was really short because I got sent up from kindergarten to first grade. So when everybody else was six, I was five. When everybody else was seven, I was six. So I wasn't just small. I was younger than everybody. So anyway, Patty's tall. I'm short. Patty's got, had long legs. I had, 
yeah, you got it. Patty was fast and I was, yeah. So folks, you talk about an imperfect match. Everybody say imperfect match. Yeah, we were the poster child for that. At any rate, Patty and I line up together with all of these kids, with all these students. The teacher says, go. And what she did, Patty and I took about two steps and we tripped and fell in the dirt. But we got up. We took off again. We tripped and we fell in the dirt again. We got up again the third time. We tripped and we fell again. And folks, let me tell you, after about five times of that, Patty and I were fussing at each other. We were quarreling with each other. We were accusing each other. And I remember kind of thinking to myself, you know, are we, are we meant for each other? Right? You know, I remember kind of thinking, you know, did I marry the wrong person? I mean, did I choose the wrong person? Because we're such an imperfect match. She's tall. I'm short. She's fast. I'm, I'm slow. You know, are, are we re- and we were just fussing all, you know, all through this thing, just fussing and quarreling. And I think I even you know, wanted to go to the teacher and say, Miss Westbrook, could Patty and I split up? I don't think we're meant for each other. I, I, I don't think this is going to work out. Now, folks, let me turn a corner and grab all of that and bring it over to the series called Imperfect Together. Because what an image of how many couples feel about their relationship. In fact, what an image of what many couples wonder about their relationship. You see, at some point in every relationship, he or her or both will eventually, eventually wonder, are we meant for each other? You might even wonder, did I marry the wrong person? Because we are such an imperfect match. She's so this, I'm so that. We think differently. We act differently. We have different goals. We have to, you know, we're so different for each, from each other. And you begin, you know, maybe to, to wonder about that. And you would say, you know, and, and all you, you, you would think all we do is we fuss and we fight and we quarrel and we argue so much. And you would say, you know, you, know, you would say we're, we're still together, but we're not happy together. You'd say, we're still married, but, but, but maybe secretly both of us would like to get out of this deal because it's just not working. You might be even thinking, you know, Miss Westbrook, I mean, God, could, could we split up? <laughs> could I find somebody else? Because we're such an imperfect match. Now, listen, maybe, maybe you walked in today and you're thinking, that's us. You just nailed it, Blackwood. That's us. You'd say, we, we, just, we are just such an imperfect match. It just seems like we fuss and we quarrel and we argue all the time. Well, listen, if you feel that way about your relationship, I've got great news for you. Because this series, I believe in my heart, is going to help us navigate all of that. In fact, this is my proposition today. This is what I, this is what I want us all to walk out the door with. This is so important. This is my proposition. Couples who are happy together. You remember that song? So happy together, 
I can't, well, I won't blow your ears out. But anyway, (laughs) couples who are happy together, listen, listen, figure out how to be imperfect together. Let me say that again. Couples who are happy together, who last and aren't just sticking it out, but they are genuinely happy together. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, those are couples who figure out how to be imperfect together. Now, you might be saying, Blackwood, what do you mean imperfect together? And how in the world could we possibly be imperfect together? You don't know how imperfectly matched we are. You don't know how different we are. You don't know how conflicted we are. Well, listen, we're going to find out the answer to that today as we look at the Word of God, specifically Philippians chapter 3. So how many of you have your listening guides at all of our campuses? Please, 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 this is one you got to take notes on. Single, married, divorced, remarried, this will help. So here we go. Two thoughts about you and your mate. You ready? Here's maybe the most important. Number one, you and your mate are not, yeah, not a perfect match. Now, everybody heads up, because understanding that fundamental fact and embracing that fundamental fact is the key to being happy together. You see, if you were thinking, you know, you got married and you're kind of still hoping that maybe you and your spouse will become the, the perfect match together, listen, too late, too late. It's not going to happen. Let me show you why. Listen to our passage. Philippians 3, verse 12. The Bible says, not as though I had already attained. That's like saying, I haven't already arrived. Or either we're already, what's that next word? Perfect. Perfect. Everybody heads up. Because the word perfect there is a translation of the Greek word, Greek word teleo. Always tell your Bible is originally written in Koine Greek, your New Testament. Translated English, Spanish. That word perfect, teleo in the Greek. Everybody say teleo. Everybody say teleo. Here's what teleo means. Teleo means to be perfect. It means to be complete. It means to be whole. It means to be a finished product. And so what God is saying to every couple in here, neither one of you is perfect. You're not even whole. You're not even complete. You're not even a finished product. You're both imperfect. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Get it? Good, because it gets worse. (laughs) Yeah, write this down as A. You and your mate have competing desires. You and your mate have conflicting, competing desires. Now, with that in mind, listen to James 4. God says this. God asks a question. What, what's that next word? Yeah, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your, what's that word? Yeah, your desires. Verse 2, you desire what you want. She desires what she wants. He desires what he wants. So, here's what happens. 
you quarrel and fight. That is so basic, isn't it? God is saying, you want to know why the two of you fuss and quarrel and fight? It's simple. You have competing desires with each other. You have conflicting desires. You know, she wants romance. All he wants is sex. She wants a clean house. He's a slob. He wants to have a strict budget. She's just spend every way I want to. And so what happens as time goes along, you begin to, to realize that in terms of your desires, you're further apart than you ever even thought you were. You have conflicting, you have competing desires, and at some point, you can begin to wonder, did I marry the wrong person? We're so different. Let me, let me kind of flesh this out, give you an example of how it works. For example, when couples are dating each other, when they're courting, typically both of them are desiring to, desiring, desiring to have sexual relations. Both of them desire to have sexual relationships. In fact, they're waiting for the marriage to come. And they're having to restrain themselves trying to wait on that marriage date. They're trying to resist the desire of sexual desires until the wedding comes. But then, folks, when the wedding day finally comes and the wedding is over, from there on, it's like fun, fun every night. It's going to be like Romeo and Juliet every night. We're going to be swinging from the chandeliers every night. At least that's what he thinks. And then he gets a reality check, right? He comes home from work, and she comes home from work, and he says, hey, babe, ready for Romeo and Juliet? Nah. Really? The next night he comes home, hey, baby, ready, ready to swing from the chandeliers? Too tired. Don't want to do it. And this goes on day after day, then week after week, month after month, and sometimes year after year, and he wonders, did I marry the wrong person? Our desires are so different. Transverse. She thinks, man, when the wedding's over, he's going to continue to treat me like a lady. He's going to open the door for me. He's going to pull the chair out for me. He's going to treat me like a lady. He's going to help with the housework. He's going to help with the children. He's going to clean up after himself. And then she gets a news flash. She gets a reality check. And she begins to think, I didn't marry the mob, but I married a slob. He doesn't clean up after himself. He doesn't hold the door for me anymore. He doesn't pull out the chair for me anymore. He doesn't help me with the children. He doesn't help with the wash. And then she begins to think, did I marry the wrong person? Because our desires seem so different. And, and, and she may ever even be, be thinking, you know, uh, God, you know, Miss Westbrook, can I have another partner? Could we split and could I have somebody else? And you see, folks, that's exactly what people do. Trying to, you see, they jump from person to person, from relationship to relationship. Sometimes from marriage to marriage, looking for the perfect match. 
Because, listen, listen, this is so important. They are deluded into thinking that somewhere out there, there's the perfect person for them. That if they could just find Mr. Right, if they could just find Mr. Wrong, you know, it's like Jerry Seinfeld. He just couldn't, you know, he'd find one, but you know, you're pretty good, but not quite it. You know, I'm looking for this perfect. And they are deluded into thinking, if I could just find her, him, we would be the perfect match for each other. And so they're looking. But folks, here's the problem with that. Write this down as B. There is no perfect match for you out there. You see, listen, this is one reason why, let me say it again, this is one reason why people are staying single so long. Have you noticed that? They're staying single so long because they've got it in their head that there's that one person who would be the perfect match. Again, it's Jerry Seinfeld. Hey, you're pretty good, but you're not quite it. You know, hey, I married you, but got to go on and move on. You're not what I was looking for. I'm looking for Mrs. Perfect. Can I tell you something? If you're married and you're, you're thinking she is going to eventually or he's eventually going to be your perfect match, let me say it again. It's too late for you. <laughs> If you are single and you're thinking you're going to find the perfect match for you, it's not going to happen. And here's why. Write this down as one and two. All humans are what? Sinners. We're all sinners. Listen to Romans 3.23. For some of us are sinners. Is that what it says? For most of us have sinned. How many of us are sinners? All. all of us are sinners. Folks, you know what that means? That means we all have major flaws. That means we all, listen to this, we all have annoying habits. We all have family history. We all have emotional hang-ups. And I'm telling you what we all do. We all bring all of that into the marriage. He brings it in and she brings it in. And you have two imperfect people who are going to create an imperfect relationship, an imperfect match. And not only that, we have a you problem. Specifically, write this down as, as t- little number two. We all think it's all about the the you, and I'm not talking about the hurricanes here. (laughs) Love the canes. Not talking about that, but we think it's all about the you. Listen to James 4 again. What causes, here's the question, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Watch this. Don't they come from your desires? What's the first word in verse 2? You, here's the problem, you desire what you do not have. You cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You say meaning what? Meaning we don't fight for we, we fight for me. And it's like a tug of war. You know, it's about what I want. 
And she's like, no, 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 no. It's about me and what I want. And, and you begin to pull on that rope against each other. And the tension gets tighter and tighter. And neither one of you are willing to cut any slack in the tension. And it's, and it's usually because you think you're right. You think you're right. And you may be right. But I'm telling you. When, when you let that tension get tighter and tighter and you say, it's my way or the highway, and you say, it's my way or no way, I'm telling you, if nobody cuts some slack, the tension will just get tighter and tighter and tighter until you snap. I'm telling you, both of you have to be willing to cut the slack to ease off the tension. Even if you think you're right and she's wrong, he, he's right and you're wrong, you're, whatever, somebody's got to let off at some point or you're going to snap. And both of you have to be saying, I'm right on this, but I'm going to let off. Not for the sake of me, but for the sake of we. We. I'm going to come back to that in a moment. Hold that thought. But here's what I'm trying to get you to realize. Realize. This is who we are. This is who you are. This is who your mate is. You are imperfect. We are all imperfect. And because we're imperfect, we are always going to be an imperfect match. And folks, the sooner we realize we're an imperfect match, the better off you're going to be. The sooner you embrace it, we are an imp- when you say, yep, we're an imperfect match, I'm telling you, that is so freeing. When you say we are, we are an imperfect match, I'm telling you, it is so liberating. Because now you can stop living in fantasy land and start living in reality. Amen. So let's just all say it together. We, I, I'm, I'm going to say it first. We are not a perfect match. Now, wait a minute. So we're going to say it together. So I'm going to say it. We are not a perfect match. Now you say it. See, you didn't mean that. So let's say it like we mean it, because this is so liberating. Say it. One more time like you mean it. You see, now again, you have moved from fantasy to reality. And now you can say, okay, we're not perfect. We're not a perfect match. But, but, that does not mean we cannot win at life. That does not mean that we cannot win the prize. So what do you mean by that? Well, write this down as number two. You too can still win the prize. So what prize are you talking about? Well, listen to verse 14, the next verse. Verse 13, 12 and 13 says, we're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But watch verse 14. Here's the contrast. But... Even though that's true, we're not perfect. I press towards the mark for the what? Yeah, the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Folks, there is the greatest prize. There is the ultimate prize. The prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus, nothing surpasses that prize. Last weekend, we saw the Super Bowl. 
which is the ultimate prize in football. Listen, the high calling, your high calling of God in Christ Jesus, and the prize that he gives for that is the greatest prize anyone could ever win. Why? Because that's an everlasting prize. You take that prize with you to heaven. You take it back to the earth in the kingdom. You take it into the everlasting new earth, which we are destined for. It is an everlasting prize. And your high calling can win you that prize. Now, folks, here's your highest calling in life. I'm going to make it simple. Simplified, right? Here it is. Your highest calling is to live your life like God designed life to be lived. It's that simple. Let me say it again. Your highest calling is simply to live your life like God designed life to be lived. We said it last week. What does that mean? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Live life as God designed it to be. Now, let me bring that over to our marriages, to our relationships. God designed marriage. And when God designed marriage, he designed marriage to be a happy relationship. Let me say that again. God is the designer of marriage. And God designed marriage for the two of you, listen, to be happy together. That's what God wants. That's the way God designed marriage. Now, when you are happy together, you're now doing what God created. Your your marriage now looks like what God intended it to look like. When you two are happy together, you put a smile on God's face. God says, that's what I had in mind. Happy together. But when you are fussing and quarreling and fighting, that's what Satan wants your marriage to look like. Satan wants to ruin your marriage. What Satan wants more than anything is for you two to be unhappy together. God wants you to be happy together. Satan wants to split you apart. So when you reach toward that prize together, you are aiming at glorifying God. And when you do that, when you two are happy together, God says, if you do that, I'll give you a prize. You see... My greatest goal for Rhonda, my greatest desire for Rhonda is that one day she'll stand before God and God will say, Rhonda, well done, good and faithful servant. I want her to hear that. I want, I want, I want her, her to hear Jesus say, this is a prize from me to you. This is the crown of life from me to you. Well done, good and faithful servant. And I want him to say that for me as well. Rick Blackwood, well done, good and faithful servant. Your calling was to live your life and to live your marriage as I designed it, happily together. Well done, good and faithful servant. And you might be saying, well, Rick, how, how, do we, how do we do that together? How can we be, so ha- be happy together? We want to do that for God. But how can we do that when we're so different from each other? How do we do it? I'm going to give you four quick ways. I'm going to hit these as A, B, C, and D. Very practical. Here's how you do it. Number one, A, determine to chase the prize together. Determine to chase the ultimate prize together. Listen to verse 12 again. 
not as though I had already attained. Either we're already perfect. In other words, I'm not perfect. She's not perfect. But that doesn't spoil everything. Listen to this. In spite of that, I follow after. We follow after. Now, the phrase follow after there is a translation of the Greek word dioko. And dioko literally means to chase after something. In fact, the word is used in Greek of a Greek athlete chasing after the prize. And if it's a team competition, if it's a relay race, the team chases the prize together. Now, folks, heads up. That is the mindset of every couple who is happy together. In other words, they say, no, we're not perfect. No, we're not a perfect match for each other. But that does not stop us from being able to chase the prize of the high calling of God together in Christ Jesus. How many of you saw the Super Bowl, the Patriots win last weekend? Let me see your hands. Yeah. Hey, love them or hate them, you got you to gotta give, give them a hand. But let me tell you something. The Patriots were in no way perfect. Now, if you watch the highlights, all you see is the perfect plays. But if you, like me, watch the whole game, they were anything but perfect. There were drop passages. There were blown coverages. There were bad mistakes, bad decisions. Everybody said, oh, Tom Brady, over the hill, too old. The whole team Patriots, ah, the dynasty's over. Translation, imperfect matchup, imperfect match, imperfect team. But here's why the Patriots won the prize. They realized they were imperfect, to get, imperfect. they were not a perfect match, but they made up their mind they were going to be imperfect together. And they stayed together as a team, and they won. Chase the prize the eternal prize together. Make up your mind to do that. B, write this down as B. Determine to change each other. You say, what? I'm not changing. I am who I am. I'll tell you what, back to Patty and me. Because after Patty and I fell on our face about five times, Patty was older, more mature than me, wiser than me. She goes, Ricky, that's what everybody called, Ricky, you have got to change the way you're running. You're taking too short of steps. You've got to stretch out a little longer than that. Ricky, you've got to run faster. To which I think I said, oh, me just change. <laughs> To which Patty said, no, 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 we both have got to change. I've got to, I've got to shorten my steps. I've got to slow up and wait on you a little bit. But we've got, to, we've got to get together or we're never going to win. Listen, we got together and we started running together in tandem. We didn't win the big prize, but we did win a little ribbon. You see, I could have said to Patty, I could have said to Patty, you know what? You're not changing me. I'm a, I'm a boy of short steps. <laughs> who I am. You're not changing me. She could have said, well, hey, you're not changing me. I'm a girl of long steps. And we would have lost. You got to change. You got to adjust. You got to adapt to one another. Let me give you how this kind of fleshes out. Bro, listen, bro, 
you don't have to swing from the chandeliers every night. But sister, you can swing from the chandeliers some nights. Sister, the house does not have to look like a model home every day. But bro, you don't have to act like a slob. You got to change. You got to adapt. Sister, you don't have to be treated like a princess every day. But bro, you don't have to act like a jerk either. And all the ladies said? been amen to every one of them. Come on, ladies. Wake up. I'm giving, I'm helping you here. But listen, I'm telling you, people who refuse to change are doomed to failure. I'll never forget, years ago, I used to do marriage counseling, can't nail, church got too big, cancer, all that stuff. But I remember counseling this one guy and and this couple, and, and the guy says to me, he says, look, I'm not changing. I am who I am. I said, I know you're not changing. That's why you're working on your third marriage. You're just going to repeat this over and over and over again. You're going to pull. You're never going to cut any slack. You're going to pull. It's about me. I'm right. She's wrong. And you'll just go from relationship to relationship, from bed to bed, from marriage to marriage. Close-minded people. Closed minds. Heard Andy Stanley say that. Let me say that again. Close-minded people. Close minds. In other words, husbands, if you're closed-minded, I'm not changing, you'll close her mind eventually. Wives, if you're closed-minded, you're not changing me. You'll eventually close his mind. The relationship will snap. You will be unhappy. You might still be together, but you will not be happy together. By the way, if you will will let those tensions play and move and move with each other, it will actually help you. You'll become more like Juliet. He'll become more like Romeo. Can actually adjust. C, determine to love each other. Determine to love each other. Listen to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. It says, follow the what? The way of love. Don't you love that? Love is, is a way. It's a way of life. It's a, it's a way of thinking. It's a way of treating people. And what does love look like? Well, if you just go back to the ver- chapter before, he spells it all out. Here's what love looks like. Love each other. Here's what it looks like. Love is what? Patience. It's, pa- it's patient. You know, I, I can just read this. It really doesn't need explanation, does it? Love is patient. Be patient with each other. Patience. Long-suffering. Love is patient. Love is kind. Kindness. Treat each other kindly. Be humble and kind to one another. Again, this needs no explanation. Love, it does not dishonor others. Listen, watch what you say to each other. Stop the yelling. Cut yelling out. Cut yelling loose. Stop screaming and yelling and accusing and saying things about each other that dishonor that other person. Stop it. Love doesn't do that. 
It is not self-seeking. In other words, it's not all about you. In fact, it's all about God, really, isn't it? It's about glorifying Him. It's not about you. It is not easily angered. Boy, we live in a culture that's easily angered, right? You see it in the media. You see it in the news. Everybody's easily angered. Love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. You ever met couples who just say, yeah, it's not the first time you've ever done that. Let me, let me, let me go back and look at the record. <laughs> and they just start dumping on each other. I remember when you did. You did that stupid thing back then. And love doesn't keep a record. It doesn't dredge up the past. It is not self-seeking. Verse 7. It always what? Protects. protects. It protects we, not me. It always protects It always trusts. In other words, I trust you until you do something that tells me I shouldn't trust you. I'll believe the best about you, not the worst. I'll believe the best about you unless you show me I shouldn't do that. It trusts. It always hopes. In other words, it's always hoping, looking to the future. And it always what? Perseveres. That's my favorite part. Because you know what that means? It never looks back. Love is never looking in the rearview mirror. So, write this down as closing. D, burn the ships and cut the ropes. Everybody say burn the ships. Everybody say cut the ropes. Everybody say burn the ships. Cut the ropes. Listen to verse 12 again. Not as though I had already attained. Either we're already perfect. I'm not. But I follow after. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are where? Behind. Behind. And reaching forth to those things which are where? Before. Before. All couples, heads up. Here's what that means. What is behind you is your single life. What is in front of you is a happy marriage. Stop looking back in the rearview mirror at your single life. Stop looking back and thinking, you know, there's always the ship of divorce that I, I might could get on and get off of this island with her, get off of this island with him. Let me tell you something. If you're always considering the ship of divorce as a way out, I'm telling you, you will never be resolved to make your marriage a happy marriage because you'll always have that option in your mind. That's why I'm saying, burn the ship of divorce. Cut the ropes. Let that go. Now, if you're, if you're divorced already, let that marriage go. Focus on the one you're in. Cut the ship of divorce. Burn the ship of separation. By the way, that phrase comes from a man named Haman Cortez. When his ships landed on the battlefield of Veracruz, when his ships landed for that battle, he said to his men, burn the ships. Cut the ropes. Set those ships on fire. Cut the ropes and let them drift off. And as the ships were burning and were on fire and drifting away, he then said this, quote, You see those ships going up in smoke? That means we cannot leave. Everybody say, cannot leave. 
That means we cannot leave these shores alive unless we win. We now have no choice. We win together or we perish together. They won. Couples, that is where you have to come to. You have to say, burn the ship of divorce. Cut the ropes of separation. We can only win the prize that God wants to give us if we stay together. Everybody say, burn the ships. Everybody say, cut the ropes. By the way, by the way, my granddaughter told me this week that there's a song about that very thing. So I want you to take a look, and then we'll come back and close. Everybody say, burn the ships. Cut the ropes. And don't look back. We can be happy together. And we can win the prize together. Amen? We'll follow God's way. Well, listen, I love it when we take, take it from our head to our hearts, when we make resolutions to God. So that's what we're going to do. But this is not my own resolution. We're just going to read the passage and resolve to God that we're leaving what's behind behind and we're looking forward to catching that prize together. So you know how we do this. I'm going to read the, the resolution. You listen as I read it. Then we'll read it together seated and then we'll stand read it together. Here's the resolution from Philippians. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Do you believe that? Amen. All right, let's, let's read it together. As unto God with all your hearts. Here we go. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind And reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's stand together and read it together. Let's read it like we mean it. Let's let God hear us. Let's let the angels hear us. Let Let the enemy hear our resolve that we We'll stay together. We will be happy together. We will win the prize. Here we go. I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to ask our campus pastors to come forward. Here we go. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I'm going to ask our campus pastors to come forward now. I love you all, Christ Fellowship. God bless you. If you want to take your next step as a believer, we want to hear about it. Let us know at cfmemmy.org slash connect and filling out a connection card. We want to thank you so much for joining us. We love you and God bless.